do not steal my horn frogs, Bear. Don't you dare do it. Don't do it. I, I already I already got him a twenty to one to win the big. That's 12. what they were. Well, they saw you walk into the window. He said, "Better adjust the price." Uh, let's go. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Always College Football. Today is Wednesday, July 27th. We hope you're enjoying the show here wherever it is you're consuming it, whether it's on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, or if you're here with us on the ESPN YouTube channel, we really appreciate you joining. Rate, like, subscribe, you name it. Interact with us via the comments. We look forward to interacting. We look forward to catering the show to your needs here in the days and weeks to come. We have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to dive into some of the Vegas win totals. That's right. Chris the Bear Felica will join the show. He's going to be a big part of the show here in the weeks and months to come, helping us break down the games and the matchups week in and week out. But hey, our preseason preview, let's dial into some of these win totals and look at some key numbers for some of the best teams in college football. And we're going to dive into the mailback. Haven't had many opportunities to do that, but we got your questions lined up. So we look forward to interacting with you. We're going to head to Aggieland. We might even dive into the Sooners, might even hit the Badgers. Who knows? Maybe we hit Notre Dame as well. We'll we'll see what comes via the mailbag. So let's not waste any time. Let's right down to it. Let's get to Chris the Bear Felica. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, welcome in Chris the Bear Felica now to Always College Football. Bear will be with us weekly, uh, as far as I understand, throughout the course of this season. But today, Bear, we're going to dial into some, I guess, some preseason win totals, if you're good with that. How does that sound? It sounds terrific. I think I may have fired in one or two or three or four or five or six <laughs> or so uh, so far, uh, trying to get ahead of the game and get some uh, some good early numbers. No, good to be with you and uh, happy to be uh, – season's getting close, man. It's great. It is, man. This I feel like when the win totals come out, that's kind of whets the appetite early. And that was months ago. And now here we are. And we're just a few weeks away. So we're very much looking forward to some of the action. You'll join us on Fridays throughout the course of the season to help preview some of the games coming up for the Saturdays and Friday night action that we'll have throughout the course of it. But I want to ask you first, before we get into some of these specific team bets that you've already made and the ones that you've kind of highlighted, do you have a theory on how much juice to lay what you should avoid. Say you have a team at minus 185 on the over, plus 150 on the under. Do you ever just kind of shy away because of a number? No, no, I don't. I, I, I'm actually glad you asked that question because this is one of the things that I feel strongly about. And I know I may be in the minority and other people may have 
differing in opinions. But for example, I'm glad you brought this up. Like there are two teams that I played over their season win total and I'm laying more juice because I got a better number. Like I would much rather in the instances I'm going to talking about Ohio state and Georgia, I both played them over 10 and a half wins. Now I'm laying 205 to 10 on the over, but at the same time, I think the half a game is much more valuable than laying the the extra juice. Like there's a better chance that I'm going to I'd rather have the opportunity to win on 11 and 1 than push at 11 and 1 and say oh if they go 10 and 2, uh, I'm only going to lose minus 140 whereas if I go they go 10 and 2, I'm going to lose greater than that. But I think the I think the chance of both Georgia and Ohio State going 10 or 2 10 and two rather are slim. So I would rather have 11 as a win than 11 as a push at a better number. Well, and I mean, I guess when you take a look at it, Ohio state, let's use them as an example. Final two games of the year should be a pretty fairly significant favorite, Mm -hmm. whether it's at Maryland, probably 15, 16, 17 and a half points. And then you get Michigan in the final week of the season. You can almost hedge it and get plus money betting on the underdog as a money line play. And then you can create value on either side of the coin. If in fact you're trying to figure out a way out of that bet and maybe find a little extra money. No, you're, you're right. And there are ways to do that throughout the season as well. If, they, if you look at uh, someone's schedule and you say, okay, they, the only games that I can really see them losing are X and Y, like, there's an opportunity, even if the games aren't the last two games in the season. Like that, That's why I think if you have that wiggle room and 11 wins or the half a game better whatever the number is, you're putting yourself in a much better position than getting that 11 flat number. Love that. I think that that you're always finding value. You can just, you can just carve away some value at all times. If you're Chris, the bear that's why he's a sharp uh, bear. When you look at some teams, for instance, Alabama, using them as an example, are there any teams like Bama or Ohio state or, you know, I don't know, Clemson, I guess that you would just say, I'm not betting the under regardless of where the number's at. Are there any teams that are just pure bona fide stay aways for you? Well, I, I, I always hate when, when you see an 11 or you see an 11 and a half that, that is troubling to me because that means a team has to be perfect. And it's very rare. You can see a team go 12 and 0 uh, in, in the regular season. And, and that's a lot of pressure. Like knowing every week, if you lose once, you can't win. And and I have a hard time playing those eleven and eleven and a half with where you have to go twelve and zero to win. But in terms of attaching like a a name to a number like that, no, it's it's more just about uh, the the number and the opportunity to win. What about the coaching staffs? For instance, a uh, USC with Lincoln Riley, they have an inflated number. Oklahoma, maybe a slightly deflated number when looking at where they're at at nine and a half. That's where they, you know, that's far below where they've been in recent years. So is there, uh, how do you handle first year head coaches when kind of assessing the landscape on some win totals? I, I think in a lot of instances, people handicap first year head coaches as an improvement. And it's logical. It makes sense. That's why the school is bringing in a new hook, a new coach, because they think the team will be better. But often there are instances where the reason the head coach is being brought in is because the team isn't very good and the coach may have to weed some people out and the team is going to be potentially worse than what they were a year ago. And, and you mentioned Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is a team that I did play under nine and a half. 
Uh, and it's not because I oh. don't think Brent Venables <laughs> isn't going to be a good head coach. Um, it, it's because I, you know, you look at Oklahoma's schedule, and there have been some Oklahoma fans who are, are like, "Oh, there's no way they don't win ten games." And where are they going to lose? And I'm like, "Where are they going to lose? Texas, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State, Nebraska, Kansas State. Like, 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 take your pick. Like, even with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams last year." No team in the country won more games decided by a touchdown or less than Oklahoma. Like, are they going to do that again with a roster that, yes, I know the the Dylan Gabriel, Jeff Levy connection going back to UCF, but you lose a majority of your playmakers. You lose almost your entire defense. Uh, it, it's a team that won a bunch of close games last. Are you going to do that again? And they've been upset by, by Kansas State as a big favorite before. They've been upset by Iowa State as a big favorite before. It happened. They, they very easily could have lost to Nebraska last year, very easily could have lost to Texas last year. Are they going to win these close games again? So uh, I, I got I got Oklahoma at under 9.5 at minus 110. So uh, I feel pretty good about that. Man, where do you kind of fall on the scale of, hey, this team had a great year last year? I, I think about Purdue, for example. I mean, a great season last year, bring back some key pieces. And now all of a sudden that number is in pretty thin air relative to what Purdue's mm-hmm. season win total usually is. Or conversely, a team like Northwestern had a atypical, really down season, disappointing year. The roster didn't show much promise. There was not a lot to really like with what comes back. Uh, How do you handle teams that maybe overachieved last year versus teams that underachieved last year when kind of looking and evaluating where they're going to be this upcoming season? I like to stay away from the overachievers because you just don't know. And I'll use Michigan State as a perfect example. Uh, you and I sure. talked about Michigan State, I think, a lot last year on uh, on Fridays during our shows. And I took a Michigan State under last year, and they completely overachieved, winning some games that they probably shouldn't have, Miami, or they maybe not maybe not that they shouldn't have, but very easily could have lost. And they they wound up going to the, the New Year's Six and and winning and having a great year under Mel Tucker. Now, was that just a byproduct of the good fortune in the 50-50 games, or are they going to continue the improve and win those games and continue? Like that was probably the worst Tucker that the the, the worst roster that Mel's going to have in East Lansing. So they're going to get better, but at the same time is the better roster going to develop in time and result in a better record than they had last year? I don't know. So I would rather take uh, an over on an underachiever last year, a team that had an abnormally bad season that, you know, maybe there there was an injury involved or something going on off the field, or maybe they lost a bunch of close games. I would rather take my chance on that and having a team which has a little bit more positive regression per se or more rumor or better ceiling to improve than knowing that now Michigan State go over and yeah they have to win eight or nine games uh and and then you're like rooting every week and you're worried about okay is this the week they're gonna fall flat or are they gonna do it again so i i'd rather i'd rather be on the low side and expect improvement from someone that may be underachieved than than lay a bigger number with someone who i still might not be sure 
uh, commands the respect that the season went total last. Well, it's, I think it's a perfect segue then. We just lived in the Big Ten on the last question, talking about programs that underachieved, that lost so many close games last year. It leads me right into Nebraska. And sure enough, I look at the season win total. I'm hoping it's at five and a half or so. I'm like, I'm going to fire the over. That's a lock, hammer, no shot. whatever. And now they're sitting here at seven and a half. So that's a four and a yep. half win improvement off of last year's team. I mean, how can you possibly take the over, even though if I had to play it, I'd probably lean in that direction. And, and, and that's exactly right, because we, we've talked about Nebraska at length, and they are a team that last year, like I said, were the that very easily could have beaten Oklahoma, very easily could have beaten Michigan, very easily could have beaten Michigan State. and But they have had a way under Scott Frost, a knack of just finding ways to lose games. Now you have sure. a new quarterback, you have some new coach, new positions uh, on the coaching staff being occupied. And, and you're right, though, like you, you want to play the over. And I found seven out there as well, which opens up a push scenario as well but like there's reason like if you look at again people are going to overreact to what i'm saying now if you look <laughs> at nebraska's schedule and they beat oklahoma and they'll, they'll be a field goal underdog maybe at home yeah. in lincoln they're going to be five and oh then they have rutgers on the road who knows and like there's a really good chance that they could be undefeated hosting Minnesota or before they go to Michigan for the final three games of the year. Now, is that going to happen? Probably not because Nebraska has found a way to just always lose games. And I think maybe we're over uh, <laughs> reacting and over hyping them because we think it's finally going to happen. But, but I'm, but I'm with you. If I had to play a side on Nebraska, I would play over because I, I think there is talent on that roster. Uh, I'm actually happy that Scott Frost is still there. I'm, I'm glad they, they, they gave him another year and an opportunity to uh, to write this because uh, honestly, if he can't do it, I don't know where they turn. Yeah, I mean, he, the, the NIL and everything should help them, but I'm I'm bullish on Nebraska this year, but eight, whew, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, another yeah. team that underachieved last year, but was so close in so many games, and it just it's almost gut-wrenching to see how they lost games as Auburn. And here we are sitting here in July, and their win totals at six. And uh, they were six last year and lost their starting quarterback with a broken yeah. leg against Mississippi State. I don't see how this team doesn't get off to at least a 2-0 start. You beat Penn State at home where they'll probably be favored. That's a 3-0 start. You have Missouri, and then you have LSU at your place sitting at 4-0 potentially. They could easily get off to a 5-0 start. Now it's a gauntlet in the back half. But Auburn, to me, is a team that I think flies past the over at 6. I think 8 wins is within reason. I really do if they can figure out the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it, I think you'll, you'll look at the schedule and there's a really good chance they go over the road. But still, even if they go over the road, you're, you're looking at 8 and you've got a couple of wiggle room games uh, at home. And, and basically, if you, you're essentially saying that if you can beat one of Penn State, LSU, or A&M at home, you're going to go over. So I, I like that play, and, and I think everything. I think last year, I think maybe some of the uh, the, the disappointments and, and and the record was, was a, a little bit of a uh, of a result of all the things that maybe were going on off the field and talk about Brian Harson. Is he going to get fired? He's not vaccinated, and, and is this going to be his uh, this, this the the date that they had? I think this you know this always seems to be stuff with Auburn off the field surrounding the program. And, and I think 
what what happened this offseason now? He, he's Harson's the head coach. Some guys are gone. Some players are gone. You bring in some new players. I think that is a little bit of an energy uh, jolt, and it provides the program uh, a, a little bit more of some some solid footing. And I think they'll be better off for it. So yeah, I would I would go over six with Auburn because uh, again, like I said, even if you go over the road, you you you, you pull you you, you beat well, one of three LSU, Penn State, and or A uh, and M. Uh, at the very least, you're going to push, and there's a good chance I think uh, you could potentially be two of those three. Well, I've given you a couple that I like, so I'm giving away all my tips. Uh, why don't you tell me? You already referenced the fact that you like Oklahoma under nine and a half, Georgia over ten and a half if you can get it. Obviously, Bears the only person in the world that can get ten and a half on Georgia and Ohio State, but he got it. Hey, he must well, know you people. Just got, you just got. You just got to be. Quick, you just got to be quick to the. Quick, quick, quick to the trigger, and quick, quick on that key pod when they when they post him. I got it to DraftKings. I can send proof of receipt if nobody believes me. There you go. Hey, a pro's gonna pro. I understand that. Uh, are there any others right now that you see that you just feel like you need to jump at? Yeah, there there were two. I got I got George I got Georgia Tech under three and a half at plus money, which I feel really good about. That. I mean, this is a team. Like I don't know how you're going to win games. You you look at their non-conference schedule, and who uh, it's what UCF, Georgia. Uh, I think they have Ole Miss. Like like it, it's a non-conference schedule that it's almost like the AD was like, okay, we want to we want to fire our head coach, so this is going to be the, uh, the the schedule that we're going to put together uh, with Jameer Gibbs now gone, their best offensive player. Um, you look at the schedule, like the only game you could say like. You beat Duke at home, like it just doesn't look like a very favorable. I'm sure they'll find a couple of wins somewhere, but if they have to win four to beat me, um, I'm I'm totally fine with that. So I took I took Georgia Tech under three and a half, and I took South Florida uh, under four and a half. Uh, I, I know they brought in Jerry Bohannon, you know they've got a bunch of returning starters, but they were terrible last year. Uh, they they beat Temple, who was the worst team in the conference last year. And they beat Florida A and M. The defense was, was horrific, and they and they too have a non conference schedule where it, it's like Florida, Louisville. There's someone else uh, really good that I that I, maybe it's Kentucky. Like there are teams on that schedule that they they're just not going to beat. So and and the, and the schedule where the, the conference schedule breaks down, like they're going to go over the road. So like they're going to have to like beat UCF at home or uh, or, or Tulsa. In order to potentially like even hit four, so I don't think USF is getting to five. So I took USF under four and a half. So those are the ones that I've uh, that I sent in. It feels so like the group of five. There is a lot of value, I, and maybe you know it's because people don't know as much about the teams, not as familiar with some of the teams. Mm-hmm. But it feels like as you kind of survey the group of five landscape, I, I feel like there's a ton of opportunity out there. One that I really really liked was Louisiana under eight and a half. Now. It's it's not because there's not talent on the roster. There mm-hmm. is. But for a team to have reeled off 13 in a row or how many they won in a row to finish the season, how, it was ridiculous the way they finished the season. And then to lose all the pieces that they lose. You lose key playmakers, you lose quarterback, you lose your coach, you lose your best offensive line. You lose a lot. And now you're sitting here expected to get, I think, in what is arguably the most difficult group of five conference this year. That's no disrespect to the American or the Mountain West. Both, I think, are excellent. But the Sun Belt is stout. For them to get to nine wins 
to cash a, or to, I guess, tear up a losing ticket to me is very difficult to envision. So I'm leaning on the Cajuns on the under with Louisiana at eight and a half. Yeah, they, they were a very senior laden yeah. team, a lot of upperclassmen. And, and like you say, we, we, with, with the coach and those players gone, and, and you would expect a team like maybe uh, Western Kentucky, South, uh, South Alabama, South Alabama, there, there are teams that are, are actually South, uh, Western Kentucky is in Houston now. So I, I apologize. I, I got my, uh, <laughs> I got my conferences wrong, but, but, but I think there, I think there are some, some teams in the Sun Belt that could uh, give them problems. And there was one other team that, that I'm kind of on the fence about, and, and that's Utah mm-hmm. state. Like they, there was, they, they won more games last year coming behind, coming from behind at halftime than anybody in the country. And, and I almost wonder if that was a situation last year where Blake Anderson, the first year head coach, kind of took the lead by surprise. He had some trans. He had Logan Bonner yeah. as quarterback, who he had at Arkansas State. Uh, he brings them in, runs that offense, and kind of surprised the league. And, and maybe like the second time around, they might be a little more up to speed on slowing them down. I think their win total was somewhere around seven and a half. And I thought going under was probably the way to go because you also, on the non-conference side, you pick up Alabama as a non-conference game. So that's a loss. You already lost to BYU and Boise State last year, and you've got those two teams on the schedule again. So are you going to have some a bunch of second-half comebacks like you did last year? I don't know. So, uh, so Utah State's another one that I'm uh, that I'm kind of on the fence about. I haven't sent in under seven and a half yet. It's at uh, six I'm and a half now, that. Bear. So you, if you see it at seven and a half, you better rock and roll because it six, six and, a and a half for Utah State, wow. which to me oh, you I can't take. You can't take the over. You can't take the over because I mean, it's eleven win team last year. You know, it's like yeah, how can you? I just can't no. uh, wait. I got they got to win seven. That's right. a no brainer. Now, not so fast, my friend. Uh, last one, Bear. Bef- and you did that. You did that. I did. Game last I did. Year, yeah, that was a good team last year. They had some talent on the perimeter. They were stout on defense. They could get after the passer. Like that was a good Utah State team. So I think they're solid. But that's a difficult league. Like we talked about. I think Air Force will be good. I think Boise will be good. San Diego State will be solid fresno's a handful mountain west to me is very very solid from top to bottom one other one that i want to ask you about because i think this is a hammer i love the overreaction to late coach movement i remember back a couple years ago five six years ago when lincoln riley took over in june after bob stoops decided to abruptly step down everyone's like oh well there you go cancel the season for the sooners well they go and maybe have the best season of Lincoln Riley's tenure in 2017 when they give Georgia all they want in the semifinal game out there in the Rose Bowl. UAB UAB to me is the play. UAB sitting at seven and a half. It's already steamed down from eight and a half all because Bill Clark abruptly retires. But you look at the roster, what comes Mm -hmm. back. Conference USA is gettable. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's bad at all. I think Conference USA is rock solid, but I definitely lean in favor of UAB pulling it off uh you know them and utsa i think are the one-two punch to potentially get it done so to keep it over eight wins uab's been averaging that it feels like for the last couple of years so i have no idea how this number's so low but i think it's just overreaction to the coach deciding to step down in the middle of the summer i do too and, and I, I would i would agree with you on that side he, bill clark built the program I mean, these the players aren't going anywhere. Bill Clark's coaching staff is is there, so like they're real. I mean, yes, the head coach is 
different, but everything else is the same. And is Bill Clark worth a win and a half? Just his presence for in-game decisions. Not is that like is, is that what the, the value that you put on that? <laughs> I don't know, but but eight seems a little low. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned UTSA, by the way, because that, that was one of the week one games that I was mm. kind of looking at. Like Houston is only a four, I think four and a half UTSA's point favorite good now. in that game I don't against mess around UTSA. With UTSA. <laughs> I, I know. You, I, hey, look, you, you 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 and I have made a ton of money on the road one in the last <laughs> right. couple of years, but. You, you, you lose sincere McCormick. There's some other guys that are gone. Uh, they had a bunch of close games go their way last year. Uh, I think Houston, I think Houston could like Cincinnati was a team that everybody wound up talking about for the college football playoff last year and ultimately getting there. I think Houston could wind up being the, uh, be the best team in the American this year. And uh, I thought four and a half was a little light there with some of those offensive weapons. Hey, uh, that you do have. not don't first I'm of all, don't start well, telling really people deep. about my Houston Cougars. All right. That's my, that's my secret team. Dark horse team. Like everyone's <laughs> still talking about Cincinnati. Gonna, oh, they're going to give Arkansas a game week one. I, I don't see it. I think Cincinnati takes a decent size step back. Doesn't mean they're going to be bad. They'll probably still win nine, 10 games, but I mean, right. I, I think Houston is the team. A circle that one, Bear. That's them and TCU are my two sleepers this year. That that nobody's talking Uh-oh. about. We didn't. We didn't even. We, you you and I didn't. You and I didn't. Hey, no, don't do not TCU. do like, not steal my horn frogs, Bear. Yeah. Don't you dare do it. Don't do it. I I already I already got him a twenty to one to win the big. That's 12. what they were. Wow. Yeah, it's been bet down. I think I have 18. Well, they, they saw like you walk into the now. window. He said, better adjust the price. Yeah. Uh, let's go. No, TCU, <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit but, more. But, but, I like TCU here? a lot this year. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, so do I. <laughs> but we can get into it. I, but there's Chandler Morris, Max Duggan at quarterback, Sonny Dykes coming in. Oh, no, no. I wasn't sure if you – I wasn't sure if you – I mean, you, like if you – but no, seriously, you look – look, I, I think you and I both yeah. like Gary a lot. And it, but sometimes doesn't stale. a program just yeah. get a little stale and maybe players just kind of check out. I, I had a feel and that's kind of what happened at TCU the last couple of years. And I think you talked about like an overreaction to like a, a coach leaving. Like, is there a little bit, I think maybe an overreaction of like Evans yeah. leaving as well? Like he didn't play a majority of last year. Anyway, he was hurt. I think they liked the backs that the, I remember we did the Oklahoma game last year and, and they felt pretty good uh, about the backs that they were going to have behind Evans. And you, and, and you bring and Chandler Morris is there and Duggan is there. Whoever winds up winning that quarterback, yeah, Quentin Johnson's one of the best wide receivers in the country, and probably not a, a whole lot of people really realize his name. I, I think the way that schedule sets up, I think TCU could could be a real. Now it could go either way. I mean, now we, we know Sonny doesn't help his coordinators out, and they're they're up big, and they, he's going to be a hindrance to his defense. But at the same time, I mean, they could outscore. Yeah, nearly yeah, every team. In no doubt about year. it, man. Hey, don't you take that's my team. All right, you don't you don't try to steal my teams. Okay, Houston and TCU. You just stay away. You could pick another <laughs> team. All right, Bear, great stuff, buddy. We'll we'll continue to do this. We'll hit some conference previews. We'll hit some long shot odds, player of the year odds, Heisman odds. We'll hit all those in the weeks Perfect. to come, man. But we love you. We appreciate you. We look forward to doing this on a weekly basis moving forward here on Always College Football. Absolutely. Right. As do I. As do I. Look look forward to having a. Uh, all right, you keep Stanford Stephen check, man. huh? All right, see you, buddy. I will. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here you go. It's time to do one of our favorite segments. It's time to dial in to our mailbag. All right, Coops, let's get underway. How are we looking? Looking good. Looking good, McElroy. First one's from Peter in Dallas. The Aggies have a ton of young talent, and Jimbo's program is poised to compete at a high level for the foreseeable future. Can they start that this year? And is there a long shot for AM to be the best team in the West in 2022? Well, saying there's a chance, not like Lloyd Christmas where, you know, hey, one in a million, there's a chance and dumb and dumber. No, I actually think that there's a chance, but I think they're a year away. Look, I'd always rather have talent over experience, experience and talent together. Beautiful combination. But if I had to choose one or the other experience or talent, give me talent every day of the week. The Aggies have that. I'm not that concerned with the youth because of the positions that they're likely to step into. Along the defensive line in particular, you can play early along the defensive line. However, that even if you're relying on some of those game-changing players that they just brought in from this class, there might be a misstep or two or a game or two in which they're just not up to speed. With freshmen playing impactful positions, it's a little bit like a roller coaster. They'll make some great plays. They'll also make some boneheaded plays. The goal for the Yaggies this year with new defensive coordinator DJ Durkin, don't allow the boneheaded plays to overcome or become critical when it comes to them being able to win the football game. I think 2023 is the more likely year for them to really surge. When you look at what Alabama brings back, you look at what the rest of the division looks like. AM is certainly poised to challenge for the top spot. I like what they have at quarterback. I think they'll be fine offensively. I'd like for another receiver to emerge in addition to Anaya Smith. And I'd like very much to know that Devon A. Chain, who I think is a legit Heisman sleeper, I'd like to know for sure exactly how many touches he's going to get on a game-to-game basis. So there's some question marks on offense. I think they'll be fine. But the big question marks reside on defense. Can they adequately replace some of the leadership that they lost in the front seven defensively from last year's team? They'll have the talent to do so. It's just... Will they play with the consistency that last year's group lacked in order to really contend in the division? All right. We got another one from Minnesota. This is Molly in Minnesota. Paul Christ has been so consistent at Wisconsin. No losing seasons, 6-1 and one in bowl games, and again, favored to win the Big Ten West this year. What do the Badgers have to do to get over the hump and win the Big Ten championship for the first time since 2012? Well, it's funny to me, Coops, and and I was kind of, I guess I'd just forgotten or I have selective memory or I'm a prisoner of the moment, probably one of the three. Um, I forgot that they'd gotten off to a one and three start last year until I dove back in earlier this summer. And I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, well, they weren't that far away in the Notre Dame game. It got ugly late. They played poorly in the Michigan game. They, of course, lost the opener. So a one and three start, and then they rallied to win their eight of their last nine games. So I, I think they obviously carry over some momentum into this season, but it's not to say that you can look back and feel great about what they did last year. I thought in a lot of ways, it was somewhat disappointing. 
I'm ready for Graham Mertz to take the next step. You bring in a new offensive coordinator in Bobby Ingram. He comes over from the Baltimore Ravens. Remember, Bobby Ingram was a former NFL wide receiver and has spent time now coaching both wide receivers and tight ends at the highest level of football. So what does that lead me to believe? It makes me think they're going to feature their wide receivers by moving them around and having them in less predictable places than they've had in years before. So he has two, I think, huge things that he needs to do offensively. They have to get the best out of Graham Mertz. He's got to quit turning the football over. If he doesn't stop turning the football over, they're still going to lose games they shouldn't. And when you're looking at Wisconsin, you're trying to win the Big Ten, you cannot give the opponent extra possessions and you cannot give them uh, field position by giving them the short field by turning it over. That's one. Two, how do you maximize the skill set of each individual player by creating favorable matchups? Wisconsin's going to be able to pound the football. They have a three-headed monster at running back. I feel great about what Braylon Allen's going to do this year. I think he's poised to have a huge season, but is going to split the carries amongst a couple other guys there in the backfield. I think they'll be pretty good along the line of scrimmage with the new offensive line coach. I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over that. But I don't think you can win the Big Ten right now with where the Big Ten's gone, scoring less than 26 points a game. It was important, I think, to go to the league, find a capable, young, innovative offensive coordinator in Bobby Ingram, and hopefully now, hopefully now, moving into this season, they'll open things up, which will bring out the breast in Graham Mertz and bring out the best in each individual skill player that's on that Wisconsin team. So they'll play great defense, they'll pound the football, but can they score if, in fact, it becomes a shootout with the likes of Ohio State and some of the other teams that can really put points on the board? All right. Wow. Surprise bonus question coming up here. (laughs) I don't know if you saw this. Notre Dame uh, football released a video uh, showcasing the uh, Shamrock Series uniforms where they're out in Vegas playing BYU. Simple question, Mark and Charlotte. Is Notre Dame cool? <laughs> Mark and Charlotte. Mark Kubiak and Charlotte, perhaps? Is that is that where this question's coming from? I, I, I don't know. I'll have to check uh, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. Uh, Notre Dame's always been cool, but I'm a traditionalist. So, you know, I mean, to me, like, the more tradition and history that you have, the cooler that you are. I mean, I grew up watching Rudy. I thought Notre Dame was like the coolest thing ever when I was 10 years old. And I know, look, whether you like Rudy, dislike Rudy, whatever, it doesn't matter. Notre Dame was like the destination, you know, for us that were children of the 90s. So, yes, Notre Dame is cool. However, what I would say is those uniforms are not cool. Um, When you have a traditional kit like Notre Dame, like Penn State, like Alabama, like USC, like Oklahoma, like Michigan, I don't want you to mess with it. Like, I remember a time when Oregon, and I know that's their their thing, right? Like, Oregon wants to play and have all the different uniform combinations, and that was like a huge deal back in the early 2010s is look at the swag and look at the uniforms, and, and we have a million different uniform colors. That's great. They played in the national championship game and didn't wear a color that I recognize or associate with Oregon. They wore white and silver. When I see white and silver, I think about the Oakland Raiders. I don't think about the Oregon Ducks or the Las Vegas Raiders or whatever. So, I mean, like, I want you to be recognizable. And when you start going icy white uniforms with gold trim, that's not recognizable and that's not synonymous with Notre Dame. I want to see Navy. I want to see gold. I want to see gold britches, gold helmets, traditional white uniforms with the Notre Dame patch on either side. That's what I want to see. Call me old-fashioned. Say I'm an old man yelling at a cloud. I'll live with that. 
but I want Notre Dame to look like Notre Dame. And unfortunately, in the Shamrock Series uniforms, they've gotten a little bit crazy with me over the years, and this one's no different. It's fair. It's fair. They're pretty sweet, though. I like them. All right, Randy <laughs> in Oklahoma. Many would say it's been a long time coming for Brent Venables to get a head coaching job. Should expectations be higher for him than other first-year head coaches, given the championship-winning experience he got at Clemson? It's one of those situations where he was patient. He waited for the right opportunity to present itself, a place that has great alignment with a great athletic support staff, with a great administration. Joe Castiglione, the athletic director at Oklahoma, does an amazing job of providing resources, not just the football program, but you name it. I mean, they're great in softball. They're great in gymnastics. They're great in so many different sports, great in baseball this past year. So there's everything that you could possibly want at Oklahoma to be successful. But we can't tell you right now without a shadow of a doubt that Brent Venable is going to be a phenomenal head coach. I don't know that. You've never seen it. I assume he will be. But it's the same situation that we had with Kirby Smart when he took over from Alabama and headed to Georgia there in 2016. I wasn't sure what we were going to get. I was optimistic. I was cautiously optimistic. But I didn't know if Kirby Smart was going to translate and become an elite head coach. Ultimately, he has. But we've seen several elite coordinators go on to become head coaches and it doesn't quite work out. I do think because of his familiarity with Oklahoma and the way the fan base has really rallied behind him, that's beneficial. Plus, the pending move to the SEC has generated some excitement and some buzz for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. So there's a lot, I think, of momentum for the Sooners moving forward. But in year number one, there's just too many unknowns. A ton of tur- turnover uh, on the roster. Obviously, massive turnover on the staff. You bring in Dylan Gabriel along with Jeff Levy, who's your offensive coordinator. I think those two have worked together seamlessly in the past at UCF. So I think that offensive side of the football will be really solid. But what about the defense? Will they be able to take significant strides from year number, what, four, five, six for Lincoln Riley to now year number one in Brent Venable's system? It's a little bit different system. So I think that there might be some growing pains on that side of the ball. Oklahoma will be really good. But I think the Big 12 is so wide open. And if they make it to the Big 12 championship game, I would consider that to be a very successful season in year number one for Brent Venables. Playoff would be great. Winning a game in the playoff would be even better. But just getting to the Big 12 championship game, I think should be the ultimate goal so far, at least in year number one for Venables. Hey, great to interact with all of you guys. That was terrific to get some of your questions. Please continue submitting your questions for the mailbag. We'll get to them, I promise. We have a long list of questions that have been submitted, and we're checking them off one by one. You can hit us up at Always College Football on Instagram or on Twitter, and you can also hit us up in our email at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. So please interact with us and we'll get to your questions as soon as we can. Look, we're going to get you prepped. Don't worry. We will hit your team before the season gets underway just 31 days from now, 24 days. No, no, no. Not that many days from now. All right. We appreciate you being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps the show. Hit us up with any feedback that you might have in the comment section on the YouTube page. So we look forward to our interactions with you. We're going to change the show. We're going to adjust the show to however it is that you want us to adjust the show. This show is for you, the fan. We're fans too. So we'll be with you every step of the way here. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football.
Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.